You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. Jason, I'd just love to know, uh, you know, what was the origins of Halo Investing and, and what was it that uh, got you going? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I I spent my career on the private banking side. So I, I joined Credit Suisse right out of university, um, you know, ultimately became partner on a large private banking team there, managing portfolios for ultra high net worth individuals and institutions. And there was a product that I used called a structured note, uh, which I always joke is the biggest market no one's ever heard of. And at the end of the day, a structured note gives you downside investment protection against market declines helpful in the markets that we've been in over the last uh, you know, 15 or so months. But these were really important tools within my portfolios to give my clients more certainty around their investment objectives. And candidly, just to give them more peace of mind against all the body blows that we take in, in the market. And so you know, really for us, when you talk about problem versus opportunity, through my experience at Credit Suisse, there was a lot of brothers and cousins that, uh, that were part of my relationships that candidly didn't really meet my portfolio minimums but those were the ones that I wanted to serve the most. And what I found with them is that they were just insufficiently saved or they didn't have the right savings or investment tools to be able to have their portfolios outlive them versus the other way around. And so when you look at Halo, we were really founded upon solving this country's savings crisis. The median savings rate in the United States is $60,000. Uh, 10,000 people retire in this country every single day. And 40 million Americans have that median savings rate of $60,000. And this is a really big problem we're dealing with as a country. And so ultimately, you know, my co-founder and I raised our hand and said, someone needs to solve this because it's not going to end well. And when used correctly and democratized through technology, which Halo does, we can bring these really incredible and powerful investments called structure notes to the masses in $1,000 minimums versus having to be rich to buy one. Yeah, it's awesome. Whenever you, if you were trying to break it down to somebody and they're, you know, you might meet somebody who's very aggressive and they are wanting the, the, the most upside as possible. You might meet somebody who's a little bit more conservative. They just don't want to lose because they've been through that before. That's just kind of in their nature. They just don't want to lose what they've got. How do, how do structured notes kind of work uh, in terms of upside versus protecting against the downside? Well, it's statistically proven that the uh, the pains of losses outweigh the joy of gains two to one. And so we all want upside in our portfolio, but at the end of the day, we also need to make sure that the money that we work so hard for is is protected. But really managing that, that dynamic is the beauty and the benefit of structured notes is that they can give you both. And so, for example, I always explain structured notes to people who are just new to investing in general, whether you've heard of a structured note or not. It's just insurance around your investment, right? And so just as you may own a home and you've definitely got insurance on your home, and if you drive a car, you certainly have insurance while driving your car because uh, it would be illegal if you didn't. Um, you know, why don't we invest without insurance? And that concept never made sense to me. And that was really the opportunity side. If you going back to your previous question of problem versus opportunity, that was the opportunity that we had. So the future of investing is protective investing, which is why we're called Halo, because we put that protective halo around your investment. But with a structured note, you might buy, uh, let's just say you might buy the stock of Apple, right? And so to the person who likes growth, they might buy Apple because they're big believers. Well, when you buy the stock of Apple, you get all the upside of Apple, but unfortunately you also get all the downside of Apple. 
And what's the beauty and the elegance of structured notes is we'll say, hey, Justin, I'm still going to allow you to get that upside. It's not going to be all of the upside, but I'm going to give you 90% of the upside. Meaning if Apple's up 100%, you're going to be up 90. Most people would say, I'm okay with that, but what do I get in return? And what you get in return with a structured note is the downside investment protection. So using that um, you know, Apple example, you know, just as a reference point, you may be able to get 30% downside protection against the decline of Apple. So if Apple's down zero to 30, you're down nothing. If Apple's down 31, you're only down one. And that's why I related back to car insurance is saying, look, um, you know, you just need to have that protective wrapper because you never know what can go wrong, you know, and, and obviously when something can go wrong. And, and that's why we need this insurance around our investments. Yeah, I think the I think a lot of people could wrap their minds around the idea of okay, I'm willing to not get a hundred percent of the upside, maybe ninety percent of it, if I could protect against thirty percent of the downside. Because, you know, some people would say, hey, the part of the point here is to stay in the game and and not to lose significant, you know, sums. Like you said, we work hard for this. You don't want to see it evaporate in, uh, in front of you. It's called the sequence of returns risk. Not to get too wonky, but uh, a sequence of returns risk is ultimately. You know, the market is up about eight and a half percent annualized year over year since, you know, uh, after the Great Depression. Now, from that perspective, find me a year that the market was actually up eight and a half percent. Right. And the point of the sequence of returns risk is that returns are variable. You don't know what you're going to get. And the problem is once things start to get really heavy in the market. Right. And we get really, really scared, just like last year is that people end up blowing out of their positions because they just say, hey, I can't take any more losses. I've worked really hard for my money, just as you said. And so structured notes can provide the value of allowing investors to, number one, stay invested because they have that comfort of that protection. But number two, it's about getting invested. You know, okay, great. The market's down 20%. Being able to buy, right, or quote unquote, catching the falling knife is a very difficult challenge. And so if I said, Justin, if we buy now, I like Apple. I'm not sure if Apple is going to be up three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, but I like it. And if, if I'm early, we've got the protection, right? So if it keeps on falling, we've got the protection. If I'm right, we're still going to capture most of the upside. That is a smarter way to invest because it allows better investment results. As we know, 40% of any bull market's returns come in those first three to four months. Yeah. You mentioned this at the beginning, but it sounds like social impact is a big part of the mission and, and the purpose behind Halo Investing. Where did that come from? Like, What, what was it about um, your background that made that front and center for Halo? Thank you for pointing that out because it's our entire purpose. Uh, as, as you can see, the sign over my shoulder of Impact Before Profit, we wrote that uh, value statement before we even wrote our business plan, honest to God. And you know, I, I firmly believe that if you set out to create a positive impact in the world, then people will obviously value what you do because you've just changed the world. And if you if they value what you do, you can monetize it. Too many people always think about, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money and then I'm going to give back to the world. And it usually doesn't work that way, right? Which is why I go back to solving a really big problem versus focusing on just an opportunity. And really, you know, the focus on impact stems from my roots, um, you know, and, and really my father. My father is my mentor. He's my role model. He's my best friend. He's also my toughest critic. Uh, but uh, he was a, a very successful entrepreneur in the 90s uh, in Silicon Valley and then a very successful venture capitalist. And, and my dad always raised, and my mom, um, you know, raised me and my brothers to 
do something that's bigger than yourself, uh, give back to the world and pay it forward. And ultimately, you know, he always used to say a line that life is not about the titles that we collect, but the testimonies that we create. And that line is so powerful to me because it's so true, you know, not to be religious, but whoever calls us whenever we get called, I could almost assure you we're not judged by the size of our wallet, but we're judged by the size of our impact. And that always resonated with me with through my entire life. I think the benefit is I like to call myself a social entrepreneur. I'm not a non-for-profit. We do make money and in that profit gets recycled back into creating more impact in the world. However, we are solely focused on creating that impact lens of giving equal access and opportunity to these really important investment solutions to investors of all wallet sizes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that ethos. And it, it's a theme uh, with this podcast. Um, the brands that we like to feature are ones who are, uh, they're not nonprofits. Um, they are a for-profit, but there is real impact with the work that they're doing. And it's super motivating. I mean, people want to hear about it. People want to join in on it. Well, my father created a social entrepreneurship program at uh, our collective alma mater, Northern Illinois University. is one of the first programs in the country around social entrepreneurship. And this was you know, around 15 or so years ago. And it was quite novel. And the whole thesis of the program is saying, if we're going to change the world of uh, you know, the hunger issue, food security, climate change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it needs to be solved through capitalism. Now, capitalism doesn't need to be such a bad thing. It just means that we're economically incentivized to be able to do something, right? And so that's how I view myself as a social entrepreneurship, because when you've got this a more capitalistic lens to it, then we're all motivated to go out and do something good. You know, for example, Halo is, yes, we're, we're giving the invest in, investment equality, right, to investors of all wallet sizes, but it actually goes beyond that. So you know, later this year, we're going to be launching the world's first green structured notes. Um, you know, the World Economic Forum estimates that there's about a $30 trillion gap in regards to financing required to hit the, to, to hit the objectives and the mandates that these governments have, have committed themselves to, um, you know, over the next 20 or so years. It's a $30 trillion gap. I mean, there's no way that you're going to be able to fill that gap just with traditional green bonds and green financing. And so structured notes at the end of the day can be structured in a green format. So for lack of a better sentence, you have distributed distribution, right? Instead of just going to the PIMCOs and the sovereign wealth funds and all the other institutional investors, Halo in our platform, we go to financial advisors across five continents, big and small. I power everything from a $50 million wealth advisor to the world's largest financial institution. And so that distributed distribution allows us to all partake in this movement of climate change um, while being able to make money. And so that's what I love about it is like, whether you believe in climate change or not, that's your prerogative. I do. But whether you do or not, we're still going to give you a great investment solution and you're going to protect your portfolio while protecting the planet. Yeah. And um, and those are the types of solutions that, uh, that, again, we try to deliver in regards to creating impact. And the one last thing I was going to say about that was also about Sharia compliance structure notes. You know, the Islamic faith is the largest faith in the world. If you're Muslim, you can't buy a structured note because it's a zero coupon bond and a derivative. Um, you know, under Islamic law, you can't buy a bond, but you can restructure these things so they are Sharia compliant. Just because you have a religion shouldn't mean you're, you're iced out of a very important savings and investment product. And so that's our ethos. That's our mission. And, and ultimately, that's why people like to do business with us. That's great. You just you just touched on this, but you you have this um you have this ethos you have this product and then for your go to market you mentioned the individual 
financial advisors are going through RIAs. Why was that such a strategic move for you to, to go to market in that way? Well, it's funny because actually in our original business plan, um, you know, we were direct to consumer and uh, we were sitting in front of a prominent VC and, and he said, you're crazy for going direct to consumer. And I said, why is that? He said, it is so expensive and so time consuming with a product that no one's heard of, right? It is the biggest market no one's ever heard of. It's a $3 trillion market, but most of us have never heard of a structured note. He said, who buys structured notes today? I said, well, financial advisors, like my former self. He said, why don't you just go to financial advisors? Because we were solving a lot of problems that financial advisors had you know, with structured notes and regarding to the high fees and the lack of liquidity and lack of transparency and just buying and managing this product as we were talking about is like working with a travel agent before Orbitz. And so we started with the individual RA community for two reasons. Number one was a business decision, um, which is, you know, the RIAs are leaving the wirehouses. Uh, it's one of the fastest trends in wealth management going to the Schwabs and the Fidelis and the Pershings. They're used to using structured notes, number one. And number two, if you're an RIA who's always been independent, you've never had access to structured notes. So we were filling that void. Um, you know, in the market by providing scalable access to, to RIAs. That was number one. Number two is if we try to put our system into my former home bank, you know, Credit Suisse or Bank of America or Goldman, it would take forever. We would have run out of cash before we would have signed a contract. With the RIA, they're all independent. So if you meet a CIO who, who likes Halo, go to haloinvesting.com, click sign up and boom, you're live today. So that was a really quick go-to-market strategy for us especially to prove our, our thesis. Now, of course, we provide the, you know, our, our platform to extremely large institutions all around the world now, but originally it was just the RIAs. And then number three is when you look at the firefighters, the teachers, the police officers, the nurses, the veterans, their wealth advisors are not Goldman Sachs traditionally. You know, it's the local wealth advisor at a Schwab, at a Fidelity and at a Pershing. And that's getting back to our ethos. That's who we wanted to serve. And so that was that worked out really well for us. And we launched our beta in the fall of 2016. We launched out of beta in the fall of 2017. So fast forward five and a half years, we just got named uh, to the top 10 world's most innovative fintechs for the second year in a row, which was really exciting. We trade billions of dollars every single year. Uh, and we work with literally thousands and thousands and thousands of financial advisors on every colonized continent. So it's been pretty surreal. Yeah, I think the... I think the beachhead of uh, starting with the individual RAs is so smart because you can still go up from there. You can also go direct to consumer from there if you choose to, right? Absolutely. But, but you can, like to your point, learn getting that feedback faster, getting in faster helps you improve the product based on their feedback. Um, and you're still serving the mission uh, based on who they serve. Um, so I can see the temptation to go direct consumer, but you're talking about category creation and, and crazy high cost of acquisition cost at the beginning um, to create that category. So I, I think it's very smart uh, for you to go there. What was some of the early feedback that you got from those RAs as they started using the product? Yeah. And, and, and to that last point of what a, the advice I always like to give entrepreneurs is, you don't have to do everything at once, right? Is there's an old adage on Wall Street that says, live to fight another day, right? And so for us is, yes, I wanted to go to consumers because 50% you know, of, of the American population prefer to manage their own money about. And those are the people who need protection from the markets the most, right? Because they don't have that financial advisor to help guide them. But we would have never be able to create that impact, as you said, if we ever go direct to consumer, if we didn't start B2B. So for entrepreneurs, 
start with the easiest product market fit, and then you can achieve your grandiose dream. But you know, if you don't have cash and you don't have revenues, then you don't have a business. And so uh, that that part that you made is is really important. You know, on the second side of what you know, attributed to Halo success, I think it was just about. Um, for lack of a better metaphor, selling a painkiller when we all got a really big headache. You know, and I always used to educate uh, the new advisors at Credit Suisse of you either sell painkillers or you sell vitamins, right? And if I miss my vitamin today, I'm not going to die. But if I've got a screaming headache, you best believe I'm going to walk down to Walgreens and get my Advil. And the painkiller and the headaches that we had in this market is a fewfold. Number one is where we're very sensitive to risk and the volatility in the market. Number two is we're trying to grow our wealth. As we talked about, the median savings rate is only $60,000. We need to grow that without losing it. And then number three is we need to generate yield. And what's really interesting about that thesis is no matter if you're a firefighter or a family office, we all have those same three mandates. I've never met anyone who says anything different besides at the end of the day, brass tacks, I need to grow my wealth at a reasonable rate of return. I need to preserve my wealth and I need to generate income, right? I can't think of one person. And that's, again, when you're thinking about a business strategy is how is this a solution that can fit for all? And how does this check a lot of boxes in the event that your original go-to market strategy does not play out, right? And so for us, it did play out because people needed this product. And it was a differentiator in the market. You know, when you look at all these warehouse teams going independent, for all of those who've always been independent, how are you going to compete against the Credit Suisse or the Bank of America team that's got the experience with alternatives and structured notes and everything else? So this was a really important arrow in the quiver for advisors to actually help compete against these breakaway teams and help differentiate their business besides, hey, Justin, I'm going to build you this financial plan. It's going to be stocks and bonds. Justin can do that on Wealthfront. What are you doing that's different and that's differentiated that actually adds value to your client's portfolio? Yeah, we were talking about this uh, yesterday. I think um, the this idea of you know fintech is there to remove frictions, and I think VCs love hearing that you can kind of remove people from laborious processes. And and some would argue that the advisor is a friction to be removed. And hey, why don't we just go direct? But you and I talked about you know when the markets struggle, uh, if you don't have that customer service that that experienced advisor doesn't usually go very well for you. I mean, what was the stat that you you mentioned? I think, you know, between the 50 that have advisors and the 50% that don't, what, what was the stat on that? Yeah. And so um, it was a, it was a, it was a study that was published by JP Morgan asset management uh, in January. And they were just saying your, your traditional 60, 40 diversified portfolio, portfolio, 60, 40, meaning 60% stocks and 40% bonds on your traditional 60, 40 portfolio, that was down around 20% last year. For the average retail investor, their portfolio was down 40%. That average retail investor is the DIY do-it-yourself investor. And that just goes to show you of, A, the, the difficulties and the challenges of picking stocks in a volatile market. Sure, over the last decade, we could throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and you can make money. Everything was going up. But in times like these, this is where it starts to get a little trickier. And so ultimately advisors can help navigate that solution for those who want. And some may just always say, I'm going to do it myself. And that's your prerogative. It's your money. You worked hard for it. You do what you want. But from my lens is that I think it's important to have an advisor, not only because the advice, an advisor really serves as a psychologist. I mean, when, when you look at February of 2019 and there was an ETF called XIV that blew up literally overnight and the volatility that created in the market was unprecedented. Many of the robo-investors, uh, 
robo investment platforms crashed that day because there's so many people going to the platform to try to sell their portfolio. That's the exact opposite of what you want to do. You want to buy when the market's bleeding, not sell. And that's ultimately what an advisor can do. What I spent a lot of my career doing uh, during the great financial crisis was saying, hey, Justin, it's okay. And now with Halo, you could say not to give a plug for Halo, but it's true. That's why I love these products so much is you could say it's okay because A, you should be buying and the market's on sale. But oh, by the way, 20% 20, 20 of your portfolio is in structured notes and we've got the protection. So don't panic. And that gets back to your point about it keeps people invested. Yeah. Does your tool have uh, analytics and ways to sort of visualize uh, this to help people kind of see what they're getting into with structured notes and like what the benefits of the of, of that are. And that's the really important, absolutely. And that's the really important part of what Halo does. And so despite all of our success and growth, la 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 la, the the statistic that I take most pride in is that 50% of our customers in the United States have never bought a structured note before. And that means mm -hmm. that we're creating real impact in the market. Um, and, and why that we're creating a real impact in the market is because we have built our platform based on a very heavy base of education and analytics, right? Not every investment is appropriate for every investor. We're all unique and different individuals. And so we have a big emphasis on education, not only explaining what structured notes are, but where do they go in the portfolio? How do they impact the portfolio? You can define what you want to sell for of risk and return and yield and see how the overall portfolio is impacted by impact by implementing structured notes within it. And at the end of the day, it allows fiduciaries to be fiduciaries. For those of you who are familiar with structured notes, you'll know what I'm talking about and laugh. Back in the day, it was like saying, hey, Justin, that Apple note that I was telling you about, you'd say, wow, that sounds great. Can you send me more information? I'd say, great, Justin, here's an 80-page term sheet that you'll never understand and you'll never read. Just take my word for it. And ultimately, it's a new world order, right? We all worked hard for our money. We all demand to know what is the real risk of these products? What's the real impact of these products? And how does it impact my portfolio? You don't look at any investment just as one individual investment. You look at it through the lens of your entire portfolio. And that never existed in the structure note world for a variety of reasons. Number one is, you know, many of the issuing banks wanted to kind of keep their control over the market and they kind of liked their black box. But with Halo's innovations and more and more banks becoming issuers, your big banks are the manufacturer of these products, it's created a level of competition through our software. So now we force people to be transparent. And, and I'm really proud to say the banks love that because they recognize with more transparency and more education, actually, we have more flow. And so if you look at that, annual flow or annual transaction volume said differently in the United States, just about four years ago was $50 billion a year out of about $1 trillion. So it's a drop in the bucket. Fast forward four years, now it's about $100 billion. I can't think of many other asset classes that have grown 2x in just four years. And I think it's not just through Halo, but it's our collective industry's innovations to say, let's bring more transparency, let's bring more suitability and more education analytics into this market. What what is the what does transparency do for people? Does it build trust, and so they're n not as nervous, uh, or is it just more of an understanding? And so, okay, now I grasp the concept, so now I I believe uh, this is right for me. What do you think it is? Yeah, so there's a difference in my mind um, between education and transparency, right? We're all not stupid. We're we're as collective human beings, we're we're pretty smart. We can figure out how protection works. We buy insurance every single day. We buy a structured note every single day. Most people on this you know, call or, or podcast 
only a structured note in the form of a mortgage. Anything that is tailored or packaged is technically a structured note. So you own one, you just don't know you do. And so we educate people on what structured notes are, what equity link structured notes are that give you protection against your investments. But the transparency is for me, it was really about the fees. How are these things constructed? Who's making what, right? And I always say, even with my own family's portfolio, I'll pay, if any advisor is listening, I'll pay you 500 basis points a year to manage my portfolio. As long as you can assure me with reasonable certainty that I'm going to make five to 7% on my portfolio after your fee. I have no problem paying fees. I just want to know what I'm paying and the value that I'm getting. That never existed in the structure note market. There's always this black box. So if Justin asked me, hey, what are the fees on that product? I'm like, well, Justin, it's complicated. You know, it's, it's really hard to, to dissect. I'm like, and I always used to say, why? You have your P&L, right? Like we all have a budget. We all know our revenue. Just tell me what it is. And no one was ever really able to do that. And ultimately they were able to do that because Halo introduced a lot more issuers in the market. We introduced a competitive bidding and auction process so our issuers compete for your business. And ultimately as a trade-off for our business is you have to be transparent about the fees. And again, kudos to the banks and the issuers. They really embrace that. And through the Halo platform and through our, our partners, we, we partner with 17 of the largest issuers in the United States, every major issuer. Uh, pretty much is on our platform. Um, they've really embraced that that belief of transparency because they've seen the growth in the volumes over the last five years. Yeah, you. So Halo's been on this pretty wild ride so far, and you're not slowing down. It doesn't seem at all. What do you? <laughs> yeah, when you look uh, into the future, five years, ten years, whatever it is, what do you what do you see as uh, the next thing, either for Halo or the industry as a whole? Are there are there things that you think are the on the horizon that aren't talked to about enough or that you're seeing or kind of forecasting? Yeah, um, I'll answer it in two lenses, one of what Halo is doing and one of what the market's doing. You know, at the, end the, at the end of the day, from a Halo perspective is, you know, we're an Amazon marketplace, right? We've got structured notes, we've got annuities, we've got buffered ETFs. Now we're introducing fixed income. There'll be a variety of different protective investing solutions. I believe that every investment in your portfolio is going to have a Halo around it whether it's your venture capital or your private equity or your stock or your bond, you're going to have a halo around it. So that's one area of focus of ours is you're broadening the product self itself. Number two is innovating that structured note wrapper because there's still some clunkiness and there's some really cool things that we're doing that ultimately get minimums down to a dollar, uh, which will be really impactful, I think, for the world. And then number three is really vertically integrating our solution. And so we recognize that advisors use a variety of fintech platforms, whether it's a TAMP or whether it's you know risk software or portfolio management software. So I think we've done a really good job of partnering with a lot of these different wealth tech firms, and there's hundreds of them uh, you know, out there to make sure that we meet the advisor of where they're at while still holding true to our mandate of transparency, efficiency, and education. And that, that is my rule to partner. Um, and so, and that's, that's been good for us. So that's kind of the, where I see, um, you know, Halo going more from a broader portfolio management perspective. I see portfolio management in general going three ways. I think number one is I've already alluded to it, protective investing. Uh, number two is defined outcomes, whether it's through a structured note or another product, people want to make five to 7% with reasonable certainty. I think most of us as individuals, we don't care how the sausage is you know, made per se, we just want to generate our outcomes. So more of these defined outcome solutions are going to be more and more popular. And then number three, customized solutions, right? Everything in our life is customized. 
you know, our Amazon or Netflix, but our investment solutions aren't. We're Delta One, which means you're either long or you're short. And so that's the world of financial management that I see us going into. And I see that consolidating within tech stacks. Like right now you have a distributed ecosystem of, you know, reporting software, portfolio management software, life planning software, TAMPs, custodians. It's tough. I mean, it would be tough to be an advisor these days of thinking about all the different solutions. And so, you know, again, that's where we try to help is that we will give you the solution that you need on the protective investing side. But through our partnerships, we can also point you to other fully integrated solutions that just help you manage your practice a lot more efficient, a lot more scalable. AI is going to play a big role. And everyone's talking about chat GPT and AI. We've been dealing with AI halo in regards to content and idea generation since we founded the company. Now, how it plays a role within the financial advisor, I think is going to be really, really interesting um, you know, over the next four or five years. I still believe in financial advisors, but how financial advisors serve their clients will definitively be different in the next two to three years. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it, at a minimum, it's going to be a very powerful tool for them to use. 100. Right. People, people who embrace AI, and I'm not going to use chat GPT, even though it is super cool. There's a million AI solutions out there. But people who embrace AI will be the leaders, right? Um, you know, my co-founder and I were actually talking about this in my office yesterday of, you know, look at the, the floor right outside of my office is, is the Board of Trade and, uh, and the CME. And so uh, when you go out and, and you look at the floors, right, these huge trading pits are now cubicle farms. And even those cubicle farms are empty, uh, unfortunately. And at the beginning, you know, you need to be the rough and tough trader. And everyone said, well, geez, uh, I'm never going to let electronic markets you know, interrupt me because I'm the guy making the trade. And it turned from these rough and tough farmers, literally, who are trading futures contracts on the floor to the geeks like us who got behind computers and we actually traded around them, right? And so that's where the world of that embraces technology is ultimately going to win. And you can use that in a million examples. Look at Africa, right? They don't have the telephone poles that we do. They went straight to cellular. And there's a million examples of that. So my advice to financial advisors is embrace, don't don't deflect or reflect because it's, it's coming. And it's not even coming, it's yeah. here. It is here and, it, and it, it's getting better every day. The uh, conversation I had this week was I was talking with one of our, someone on our team who was using it um, uh, for some performance marketing pieces. And I said, he goes, for me, it's like, it's like having a team of interns that are available anytime I want them. And I said, I, I think that's a great analogy. The the thing is, is that in six months, they're probably going to be really good interns, like even better yeah. interns, right? Well, there was a, there was a, an infographic that I saw today of how uh, ChatGPT did, um, I think it was like the SAT or the GMAT, right? And it was in the 90 percentile for many of the, you know, mathematics and all of the other, you know, sciences, things that you can look up at the end of the day. Um, but where it wasn't so proficient was coding and development, actually. Uh, it was like in the 20 or 30 percentile um, in the English language and English literature and, and many other different languages. They will make up that ground really, really quickly. Do I believe in the world where bots are going to take over the world? No, I don't. Ultimately, you have to have people that write that code, have to have people that maintain that code and understand the applications that it has. So, yes, it's called you know, structural unemployment and frictional unemployment for a reason. It will displace some people, just as many of the innovations that we use today of the telephone operator. Now, I think that ultimately 
uh, alludes to and, and provides a more productive and a more innovative society that is more powerful as a whole for the United States and for the world that allows us to live a better life through technology and through innovation. Yeah. Yeah. My take on it is we've seen this before. The only difference is just how fast it's happening. Um, this, this is every generation goes through this. It's just that sometimes that takes three decades, not, you know, what seems like three months, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and it's called progress, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it's called progress. And I think for all of us, yeah, I, I speak to a lot of high school students. I'm giving the, um, I'm giving the graduation, um, you know, speech uh, um, to my high school this this year in June, and so I interviewed a lot of high schoolers and said, "What's on your mind?" And ChatGPT yeah. is on their mind. They are fearful. They are fearful that of what is the world going to look like? Am I going to have a job? And I said, "Well, if AI does take over the world and none of us have jobs, then we all go, we will go to a socialistic economy, I guess, because the bots are running everything. The country will make so much money, and we'll probably have to work less. And the government will distribute out those proceeds and those profits to the rest of us. I don't believe in that world, but I guess in a worst case, perhaps that's what happens. But it's called progress. It's called innovation, and it makes us a better place and more efficient. Yeah." Yeah, everybody will be YouTubers at that point and just to yeah. start up their own channel, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So this, uh, man, hearing about Halo and, and where you guys have been, it's, it's great. I'm excited for where you guys are going too because it sounds like you've got a lot of momentum behind you. For you personally, what's been the most rewarding part for you so far? Um, you know, I I guess two things. Yeah, rewarding is building, you know, building anything from scratch. Um, not that long ago, my co-founder and I were in an office that's smaller than my personal office. And now we have offices in Chicago, Zurich, and Abu Dhabi, and I'm on a flight to our office on Monday. Like that's that's pretty surreal. And the people that we get to deal with and all the great partners that we have around the world. And so, yeah, I'm really proud of, of the work the team has done and the team that we have built around us. But number two is the impact, right? You know, the leading cause for someone over the age of 60 years old of stress, death, divorce, and suicide is financial related. And that's really messed up. You know, not just in the United States, but all around the world. And so if what we do by adding uh, more defined outcomes, by adding a better savings and investment solution, if someone can prevent themselves taking a life, even if we just help one person, I don't care how much money we make. I don't care what our market cap is. I don't care about the success of Halo that makes it all worthwhile for us. And, and that's really the lens that that we live through. And, and we're not going to stop there. And that's what I'm most proud of is our investors, our partners, our my colleagues really embrace of who Halo is going to be three to five years from now. And mark my words, you know, if we have this podcast again, we just won't be in financial services. We already have a number of plans to expand beyond financial services to solve big problems like climate change, like food security, and many, many others. And so if it's a problem that needs to be solved, that's a, ultimately a social problem, then then we want to solve it. Just as Google's not in search anymore, now they're in flying cars. There is a path um, to expand beyond our core competencies at Halo 2. And that's what I'm proud of, of just everyone embracing that. Yeah. You you bring up a topic that reminded me of something. On my, on my wedding day, uh, my dad came up to me and he's in, it's like minutes before I go up, you know, to get married. And he's like, uh -oh. I have something I want to say. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, here it is. Like, he's probably been saving this. He's been waiting, you know, weeks, months, years to tell me this. And I'm like, I, I can't wait to hear what his advice is. And then he goes, uh, Justin, more people get divorced from uh, financial conflicts than infidelity. 
So make sure that you keep her in the finances. I'm like, that's your advice. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's, it's like, right. But yeah, that's, he that's is right. But like a minute lay later, we're walking up to the altar. I'm like, walk up to the altar, but like, keep her in the finances. Got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but he's, he's so true. It's, it's like what 100. you said. There, there's people who have asked me before, why are you interested in, why are you so interested in finance? And I'm like, if you, if your finances are, aren't right, there's a lot that's not right. It is such a pressure in your life and you've got to have that foundation for the other things uh, to do well. So I think it's interesting. And that's why we enjoy shining a light on things that we think are helping people on that front. Thank you so much. I mean, it goes back to savings for college in this country is just out of control. You know, the costs for college are just crazy. And so that adds a lot of stress to all of us you know, me included of saving for kids college and what's that going to look like? Putting food on your table, a roof over your head, right? Common things that should be an everyday right to us as Americans and just as human beings, forget about America, just human beings, you know, having health care. And I'm not saying everything needs to be provided from the government, right? And we can't rely on governments anymore. I just, unfortunately, it's just a sad state of where we live. And so with that, no matter what side of the aisle that you sit on. And so with that, we have to take the control and the power in our own hands. And that starts with our finances, because if you don't have a roof over your head, if you can't put food on the table and you can't send your kids to college, that's a very difficult life to live. And so, you know, trading in the stocks and bonds and the average retail investor being down 40%, we got to stop that. We got to stop that. I'm not saying don't stock pick. I got my Jim Cramer mad money sleeve in my own portfolio too. It's 5%. The other 95% of my portfolio is protected and it's, uh, you know, it's properly diversified and allocated and that's our mission. And if we just help again, just one person understand that, then God bless. That's a success. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling people listening are going to want to know more about Halo. Where would you point them? Where's a good place for them to learn more about Halo? Best start is haloinvesting.com. And so if you go to haloinvesting.com, there's a little tab of learn more and click on the halo journal. And we write, we have a full team of content writers in house that talk about asset allocation, financial planning, structured notes, how to talk to your clients about structured notes. We've got education and content till you're blue in the face. And that education is also good because it's written in a way that all of us can understand. And more importantly, your client can understand. And so uh, I highly encourage people to check out uh, haloinvesting.com. And of course, we're across every social media platform. Jason, this has been great. Appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, I appreciate you, Justin. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. We've learned a lot from this podcast series, and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources.